you'll find out. And we really do appreciate all those that uh, labor for that. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 35, God is a good God and believe in God for good things. Uh, uh, how many have ever heard of the Hatfield, uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys? Anybody here? It's an American thing. It, it's a, if you say they fight like the Hatfields and McCoys, it's a, that what happened is right after the Civil War, there's these two families. Uh, I believe they're from uh, around the uh, uh, Tennessee area. And, of course, one family was uh, uh, on the southern side of the Civil War. The other family was on the northern side. The, the, the war was over. But one of the guys on the uh, southern side said, you know what, uh, that guy on the northern side, he shot my brother uh, uh, during the Civil War. They're at war. They're on different sides uh, of the battlefield. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, but after the war was over, he still carried that grudge. Uh, and he met this guy, and there was a shootout, and they killed him. Uh, and it, it became uh, one of the most famous, if not the most famous, feuds uh, in America. And it went on for almost 30 years between these two families. Here's a picture of the first two, uh, Mr. Hatfield and Mr. McCoy. And then there's the next picture. Uh, amen. I believe it's of the Hatfields family. Now just take a look at that. These guys are ready to roll. Look at the little kid there with the big old pistol. It's almost bigger than him. And look at the little girl in the, on, on, well, it'll be on your right side. I mean, she's looking really mean. And so these little kids have no idea what the feud's all about. All they know is, you know, I don't like that family. And this thing went on, and, and they would ambush each other, and they would uh, do different things. Uh, and uh, this, uh, this hatred between these two families became legendary in America and a part of American folklore, so much so uh, that it is now a saying uh, like the Hatfields uh, and McCoys. And I want to preach about something this evening that is not unique to these two families, the Hatfield, uh, Hatfields and McCoys. In fact, it probably explains much of what's going on uh, in our world today. Uh, and I want to speak about perpetual hatred. Perpetual hatred. Out of Ezekiel chapter 35, beginning in verse 1, Moreover, the word, of the, Lord, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Zaire, and prophesy against it, and say, it, say unto it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Zaire, I am against thee. And I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate. And I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast had perpetual hatred, and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee, since thou hast not hated blood, or since thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Zaire most desolate, and cut off from it him that passes out, and him 
that returns. Amen. I want to consider with you, first of all, uh, the issue of hatred. Amen. In our text, the prophet Ezekiel is pronouncing judgment upon the nations of the earth. And he pauses at this one nation called Zaire or those of the mountainous area of Zaire. And these nations had been used by God to execute judgment upon the Jewish nation. The problem is they went far beyond the judgment that God wanted for these for the Jews and God takes note if you read through it that they had gone too far they were too harsh they were too severe and for far too long they were executing this judgment and they also enjoyed it and God looked down and says you know what I don't like what you're doing you've gone far beyond what I called you to do amen and God is now bringing his perfect judgment against uh, this area of Mount Zaire. How many know God is a just God? We may not understand a lot of things in society. You may not understand a lot of things in your own private life, how certain people can seemingly get away with this or get away with that. Listen, nobody gets away with anything because everybody's going to stand before God. And guaranteed, if we have to give an account for every word we speak, we're going to have to give an account for every deed that we've done. Hallelujah. And so God is perfectly just, and God will recompense everyone there due in his due time, whether it be in this life or in the life to come. Now, if you do your research, uh, this Mount Zaire, basically what it's referring to, if you want to apply this truth, uh, uh, it's a picture of the flesh. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go through all the, uh, the genealogy of it and that uh, nature, uh, but we're talking about something that is a manifestation of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 Verses 19 and 20. Uh, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, uh, hatred, uh, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. The definition for hatred, uh, amen, can include passive uh, hatred or active hatred. How many of you can have passive hatred? You're not actually punching somebody, shooting somebody, or hitting them. Oh, but you hate them, and it's written all over your face. How many have ever met somebody like that? Hallelujah. Thayer's definition means odious, and that word odious means to smell bad. And so this is a picture of hatred that these people of Zaire had for the children of Israel. This is nothing new. How many know that hatred is as old as the human race? 
You go back to Cain and Abel, it's the first account of anger and hatred. It's a direct result of the fall of mankind when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they were told not to eat of. Amen. And this came into the world, this thing called hatred. And in the very first family, the very first offspring of Adam and Eve, we see hatred being played out and of all things is being played out over an offering given to God. Listen to Genesis chapter 4 verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. So get the picture. Here's Adam and Eve. They have two children, Cain and Abel. They have taught them to offer sacrifices to God. Cain decides he wants to worship God his own way. Abel obeys God and offers a blood sacrifice. Cain doesn't like it that Abel's sacrifice is accepted by God. And so he gets mad at Cain. Actually, he's mad at God. But how many know God's pretty big? You don't want to fight him and so he takes it out on Cain or on Abel and God even warns him about it God shows up in Genesis 4 6 Lord the Lord said unto Cain why are you wroth or angry and why is your countenance fallen if you do well shalt thou not be accepted and if you do us not well sin lies at the door and unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him and Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass as they were in the field Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The living Bible says God said uh, Cain why are you so angry? Why is your face so dark with rage? It can be bright with joy if you will do what you should. But if you refuse to obey, watch out. Sin is waiting to attack you. Sin is longing to destroy you. Listen, hatred wants access to your life and mine. It wants to destroy you. It wants to take you out. It wants to separate you from man and from God. But he says to Cain, you can have the victory if you want it. But you've got to want it. How many had ever wrestled not hating somebody? No? Man, y'all are hiding your wings and your halos. Hallelujah. God says to Cain, you can rule over it. But I'm going to tell you, hatred and anger wants access to your soul. It's longing to get inside of you. It's longing to be your companion. And there's a lot of people who will cooperate with that happening. Hallelujah. And I want to look at this tragic account of anger in Ezekiel, but it's also, you can apply it in Genesis to Cain and Abel. And there's a reason behind it. And I've, I've been drawn to several words in the Bible as I read. I always take note of these words. The word because. It's the cause. The cause of something. There's the word therefore. 
And so you draw a conclusion. You read everything, and then it comes to a conclusion. Therefore, because of all this, therefore, or the word wherefore. And so God is talking in our scripture. As I live, says the Lord God, since or because you have shed so much blood. And the one translate, because of your perpetual hatred. And so then he begins to list what's going to happen. How many know there's lots of people who love to ask the question, why? Why, God? Why, God? Why? Why? How come? Why? And that's a legitimate question. It's not always going to be answered. But it's a legitimate question. We're made to be a reasoning uh, a creature. We have a reasoning and logic. But I wonder how many people ask why. I wonder how many of those people actually look in the Bible to find out why. I'll tell you how you can find out why. Is you look up the word because. You look up the word therefore. You look up the word wherefore, because in our text, God gives us those words because of your perpetual hatred. And then he begins to list a bunch of judgments that are going to come on the people of Zaire because of their perpetual hatred for the children of Israel. Again, the Living Bible. As I live, says the Lord God. How many know there's not, a, there's not a stronger oath that could be taken? God says, as I live. Since you enjoy blood so much, I will give you a bloodbath. Your turn has come. I will utterly wipe out the people of Mount Zaire, killing off those who try to escape and all those who return. I will fill your mountains with the, with the dead. Your hills, your valleys, and your rivers will be filled with those the sword has killed. Never again will you revive. You will be abandoned forever. Your cities will never be rebuilt. Then you shall know that I am the Lord's. How many know God is righteous in his judgment? And he is announcing a judgment on these people. It is a severe judgment. It is an eternal judgment. Uh, you might read that and think, man, isn't that going a bit over the top? Uh, but it's impossible for God to go over the top with his judgment. Uh, if nothing less, it's merciful. Uh, uh, but here we see, uh, amen, the effects uh, of a perpetual hatred. Uh, it brings a judgment. Uh, it destroys people's lives. Uh, it's one of the grand tools in the devil's toolbox is to get people to hate one another and to keep hating one another and to pass that hatred on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. They don't even know why they hate each other. They just know we hate you. You're the Hatfields and we're the McCoys. We hate you. Why? I don't know. We just do. I never met somebody like that. It's called perpetual hatred. God doesn't like perpetual hatred. It's ongoing hatred. It's long-term hatred. It's unresolved hatred. It's generational hatred. 
It's passed on, and I would dare say that in some cases, uh, this hatred is taught. You saw that little kid in the picture with the big old gun? He's being taught how to hate the, the, uh, the other family. They're all being taught how to hate. And this is what God was dealing with. And this understanding that hatred not only can be taught, but often it is taught and passed on to others might help you understand yourself. Well, Cheryl and I, when I was stationed in the military, we were out in Fort Ord, California, which is right by Monterey, California. And we were, we were trying to find a church to go to, and we were visiting different churches. We didn't have any fellowship churches in the area. And we started going to this church there. Uh, it's basically an all-Hispanic church. And we're going there for a while, and, and we met some people, great people, had a great time. But this one girl kept coming up to my wife and saying, I want you to forgive me. And my wife, well, I, I, I've, I've been having real bad thoughts about you. So Cheryl will go, okay, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, and, you know, and a week or two later, she come back to the same thing. And, okay, praise the Lord, you know, I forgive you. And she came back, and she was, this girl was tormented. But she didn't give up. She came in one morning as we were there, and she was grinning from ear to ear. She said, God answered my prayer. I said, what? I, I know I've been having all these bad thoughts about you all this. I was taught to hate people like you. My family actually taught me to hate people like you. And said, I'm a Christian. I can't do that anymore. And she was set free. Hatred can be taught. How many are still with me? It's called perpetual hatred. It's called, uh, a, a man, generational hatred. Uh, it might help you understand others. Uh, it will help you better understand the world that we live in. The devil has been using this tactic for a very long time since Cain and Abel. And the reason he still uses it is because it still works. How I many know oh, perpetual hatred can be viewed all over the world? Why? What did they do? I don't know. Why does hate them? And God says to Zaire, and he's dealing with these, these specific people because of their hatred toward the Jews. He said, that's it. Because of your perpetual hatred. And he begins to list these very severe judgments. Listen, at a certain point in time, this perpetual hatred will destroy your life. Verse 5, because thou hast had a perpetual hatred, and see that hatred led to the shedding of blood of the children of Israel by force of the sword in the time of their calamity or when they were down and in the time of their iniquity that I'd call to end. And because of that, one translation says, because you hate... And sometimes when we're asking God, why, God, why? Whether it be in our own circumstances or maybe somebody else's or a family or a friend and you're trying to figure things out, why, why, why? Don't dismiss this issue of hatred because it's a lot deeper than you think. 
perpetual, long in duration, antiquity, forever, ancient, ancient of time. It's, you know, it's from the word to veil or conceal or cover up, which means a lot of time this hatred is covered up. And maybe somebody has done something wrong to you, amen, and you just kind of, but you just got it sealed up, you got it covered over, nobody sees it, but it's in there. Listen, God sees it. And the warning is that perpetual hatred at a certain point brings judgment. And had the children of Zaire repented, had they gotten right, had they maintained the boundaries that God had set, amen, they would have enjoyed, amen, the blessing of God because they went beyond those boundaries in their perpetual hatred, amen, God had to judge them, and as I said, behind this word is the word to conceal, to hide, to be a secret, hallelujah. You ever have, ever have somebody stop talking to you for weeks? What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. I've just been busy. And it turns to months. It might even turn to years. It might even turn to decades. I'm talking about marriage. That was a joke. There's something there, it's being concealed, and if it's not brought out, it's going to turn into hatred if it's not already there, and it's going to be bad news. Hallelujah. You can have this for people in your own family. I know families that haven't talked to each other in years. Well, pastor, if you knew what they did, you know why. And I probably I agree with you 100%. But not if it leads to hatred. Not if it leads to hatred. God told Cain in the very beginning, this sin is sitting at the door and it's ready to jump on you. But you can have the victory over it. Listen, folks are going to do you wrong. How many here you've never been done wrong? How many you've been done wrong? By the person next to you. Just don't look. I always have to laugh when wives are like this. That's how wives work out. Husband, don't look. Just keep straight ahead. Smile. You'll be all right. Amen. In the same family. I hope Cheryl doesn't mind me saying this. She's out of town right now, but. She'd be sitting at the dinner table with her family growing up. She didn't talk to her father. She'd tell her sister, ask your father to pass the ketchup. Hated her father. Hated her father. Hated her father. The reason she went out to Arizona because the farther away from New Jersey that she could get. Hated her father. Wouldn't talk to him for months. In the same house. Six kids. She got saved, and all that changed. God says, no, this perpetual hatred, uh-uh. That's not what my people do. Hallelujah. Ezekiel thirty-five eleven. therefore, or because as I live, says the Lord God, 
I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy. He was bringing their ways back upon their heads. See, when we do certain things, there comes a point in time, and I don't know where it's at, but God does, where he says, you know what? You begin to reap what you sow. <laughs> I got these pictures. There were some protests the other, uh, a while back. I mean, this is insane. These are grown people. Grown people. Show that first one. And so they were protesting something in England. Did you get those pictures? And so they decided to get in the middle of this intersection and cement their hands to the street. I would have left them there. I would have brought them water so they had to drink a whole lot, and then they'd have to pee, and I'd leave them there. This guy glued his face to the street. Afterwards, he said, yeah, it probably wasn't the smartest thing, because half his face was stuck to the street when they finally got him up. How many of you got to be pretty? These are grown-ups. These are grown people. These are grown. How many think, this, look at that, this woman's, oh, don't hurt my hand. Why did you cement your hand to the street? But think about people who hold on to their hatred. It's just like, why don't you just cement yourself there? And that's what God is trying to say to the people. Amen. It's not worth it. Don't do it. This perpetual hatred. Some people in other places call it prejudice. You can call it racism. You can call it hate. You can call it whatever you want. Amen. Generational hatred, perpetual hatred. Amen. It's the consequence of sin and it's the manifestation of the old nature. Amen. The manifestation of the sin nature. Jesus addressed it in the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that persecutes you. Amen. He's saying, don't respond in kind. You know why Jesus said to love your enemies? Because if you don't love them, you'll hate them. And people who hate don't go to heaven. It's our choice. Sin's crouching. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, just want to jump. On. Don't do it. Hallelujah. Listen to the message version of Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother, you idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell, stupid! At a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. That's a pretty powerful translation. And what he's addressing is this is how the devil gets in and plants seeds of hatred. Plant seeds of hatred. We've been done wrong. Anybody, anybody of you live just a couple years, somebody's going to do you wrong. And the opportunity is there, the, the emotions are there, the feelings are there, the actions, uh, the justification, uh, and all of that. The problem is, uh, once it's started, uh, many times it never ends. 
And there's a warning in our scripture in Ezekiel. Uh, because thou hast had a perpetual hatred and hast shed blood, uh, the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword. And I thought about that. You know, you may not shed blood by the force of the sword, but we can shed blood by the force of our words. And we may not actually physically assault somebody, but how many words can do a lot of damage, especially in the social media world that we live in. As I live, the Lord God says, since you enjoy blood so much, I'll give you a bloodbath. Your turn has come. And so he's putting a warning out there that we need to be extremely careful concerning this because this is a great danger. Somebody does something wrong or somebody does something we don't agree with or somebody, somebody, the Hatfield and the McCoys, three generations later, we still got hatred in our heart. Let me throw this out there. The movie and entertainment world. God gives a warning in this scripture. You like the shedding of blood? You like seeing blood? then I'm going to turn that back on your head. Listen, TV and entertainment, it's blood everywhere. And God help you if you enjoy that. It's a spirit. It's an unclean spirit. I travel a lot on planes and people's movies. I mean, it's blood, 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 blood. Amen. Parents, watch your kids' video games. If there's blood, you better take appropriate action. If you like seeing blood, something wrong. Blood, how many know blood is spiritual? Blood is spiritual. My son Fred, he's been here before. He has an incredible imagination. He went to work for a doctor. And the, his job was to write down, you know, when they check in. And they begin to describe his symptoms. He almost fainted. Especially when they started talking about blood, he'd get wooed. He had to quit. He had to go get another job. How many know if I spilled a bunch of Kool Aid here, red Kool Aid, be no big deal. If I spilled red paint, no big deal. If I spilled ketchup, no big. But if it was blood, how many know some folks would faint? Because blood is spiritual. Blood is spiritual. That's just a free, freebie for you. Let's look at perpetual hatred and God's answer. Perpetual hatred brings consequences to your own life and to the lives of those around you. It is a curse that is passed on from generation to generation. And so God is trying to bring us some understanding. And thank God the only answer for perpetual hatred, amen, is the shed blood of Jesus Christ is to turn to the cross. And those wonderful words that were uttered on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If anybody had a reason to hate, 
hate. It was Jesus Christ. He was perfect. He never did a single bad thing in his life. He never had a bad thought. He never uttered a bad word. He never did a bad deed. He never told a lie. He never cursed. He never did any of that. And in return, mankind beat him to a pulp and then nailed him to a piece of wood and lifted him up and mocked him until he died. And what were his dying words? Father, forgive them. Why did he say that? Because he would not let hatred in his heart. The Bible says he was a man just like us, tempted in every way just like us. He didn't have, oh, it's just so easy because it's God. No, he had the same struggles as you and I. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It's one thing. God, I forgive them. Kill them all. He didn't say that. He was giving us an example. I read about two men in Thailand. Two men, they're in the, they're, both of them are 69 years old. They went to middle school and high school together. And the one man's name is Thanapot. The other man's name is Suthat. And so Suthat was a constant uh, uh, torment to Thanapat uh, when he was in middle school uh, and through high school tormented him. He was the bully uh, and uh, would give him a hard time and give him a hard time. Uh, then they graduated high school. They went their way. Uh, but Thanapat never got over it. And he would talk about it. He would get drunk and he'd start saying how he hated this man, Suthat, for the things that he did for him. And he gets into his 20s. He's still complaining into his 30s, into his 40s, into his 50s, into his 60s. He's 69 years old. They have a, a, a high school reunion. He comes and there is this guy, Suthat. And he goes over to him. He says, you know what? You bullied me when we were back in middle school. And you need to apologize because I didn't like it. And the, the, the other guy's name, Suthat, he says, I don't know what you're talking about, man. That was years ago. They're both 69 years old. He said, you need to apologize. You did this, and you did that, and you did this. And he's like, dude, man, we're almost 70. Let it go. No, you're going to. And they got in this wrestling match, and the one guy, the, 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 guy, the Thunapet, pulls out a gun, boom, and kills him. It was middle school. They interviewed some of his friends afterwards, and they said, yeah, he would bring it up all the time. What he did was wrong. He shouldn't have done that. Dude, you're 60 years old. That happened when you were 14. Yeah, but he needs to apologize. Let it go. And at 69, he's going to prison for the rest of his life. See, we are never more Christ-like than when we forgive. I close with a story this last boot camp that we had in Jacksonville. There were two young girls, uh, probably about 14 and 15 years old, or maybe 13 and 15. And one night, an incredible presence of God just, just, I mean, just fell on that congregation. People literally weeping, weeping. We were, I was about to close off the service, 
And this one guy right here, that young man, just burst into tears. I mean, not just, I mean, loud sobbing. Then another guy over here, and then somebody else in the back. Then this girl over here. And, I mean, it was, it was Holy Ghost time. So I told him, I said, listen, you can go back to the barracks if you want. If you want to stay here and pray, you can stay here and pray. And about 70 of them for the next two hours were there praying on their own. And I was very interested at these two young girls. Uh, I, I thought they were sisters. I wasn't sure. They're hugging each other. They're embracing. They're crying. They're wiping their tears and then hugging each other again and, and crying. And so uh, I'm just kind of no, putting a note back there in my mind. Uh, the next day, I saw them together, and I asked them what happened. I think one was 13, one was 15. Uh, and they're, they're sisters, and they had had a, quote, falling out at that young age. Nobody told them to get it right. I didn't go, hey, you need to apologize. You did it. The Holy Ghost did. And they were apologizing. They were weeping. They were hugging each other. And I didn't, I, it was holy ground. I didn't want to know what was done. But see, that's the natural response of the Holy Spirit when our hearts are right with God. Because he doesn't want that perpetual hatred in our lives. Let's bow our heads together. I prayed with a man in Gainesville, Georgia the other day, probably now about a year ago, 72 years old. When he was six years old, he was 72, he had a shoulder problem. His shoulder really bothered him. I said, has anybody ever done you wrong? He said, yes, when I was six years old, my father wanted to teach me a lesson. I'd done something wrong. He told me, put out your hand. I put out my hand, and he took a cigarette lighter, and he held it under my, my little finger. He held my arm by the wrist, and he held that lighter to my finger until he was satisfied that I learned my lesson. That man was now in his 70s. He hated his father. And you could well see why. You could, you could understand why. We prayed a prayer. I said, do you want to forgive him? I said, that doesn't mean that you're admitting what he did was right. That just, you're setting yourself free. And he forgave. And he said, I've done this before, but it always comes back. Jesus said, you forgive 70 times 7. That's not because somebody does you wrong 70 by times 7. It means because you think about it that many times. And each time you think about it, say, I forgive him. And he did that, and the next day, he was a different human being. His wife said he was completely changed. He felt something lift and leave his body. He could move his arm like never before, and he was grinning ear to ear. He got set free. He got set free by the blood of Jesus. Listen, perpetual hatred will destroy your life. Doesn't mean that what anybody did to you was right. It means I'm not going to let hatred be the controlling factor of my life. And I'm going to forgive. I'm not letting that thing control me like it did Cain, like it did so many other people in the Bible. Maybe you're here, you're not saved or you're backslidden. Maybe it's because somebody did something. Maybe you blame God. Maybe, I don't know. But listen, give your life to Jesus. Let him sort it out. Let him give you understanding. What you need is forgiveness. Say, Pastor, I want Jesus. Quickly slip your hand up.
put it right back down all over this building, unsaved or backslidden. You need Jesus in your life. You're online. You'd like to give your life to Christ. We're going to pray a prayer in a moment. Others here, listen. We all know that life's not always good. People will do you wrong. Will, will, knowingly or unknowingly. Willfully or without even knowing it. Don't let hatred control your heart. Don't let it control your heart. It'll destroy your life. God does not want that. That's why he went to the cross. So that we could have the power and the ability to forgive others. And if you've been harboring something there, and I believe me, I know it's not easy. But my challenge to you and the challenge of the word of God is to come to the altar. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can leave it here. God, I leave it here. That's not going to be a part of me anymore. That's not going to be a part of my life. I'm not going to let that control me. That's not going to be my destiny. Let's stand together. Let's open these altars. I understand this may not be everybody, but there are numbers of people. You're dealing with things that people have done to you, perhaps, and you sense that it's leading to a hatred, a deep-seated hatred. You want to come. You want to find a place to pray. Ask God to set you free. Uh, Amen. And you can have the freedom through the blood of Jesus. Let's sing together. You loved me when I was so unlovely. You sought me when I was lost. You showed me Greater love, there's no greater love than this. There's no greater.
Yeah. So 